This is Sunday Rewind. Take it back now, y'all. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Stevens and Mike Melby. Welcome in, Tom Stevens, Mike Melby, Husker Rewind. Disappointing Final Four appearance in the championship game. Nebraska falls in three sets to Texas, and it really wasn't close at all. Texas dominating fashion in Tampa today, but nonetheless, a great season for Husker Volleyball as we welcome in Tanya Taki, uh, one of the great middle blockers of all time, and of course, uh, the coach of Nebraska won that. You were in Tampa today. The crowd was great, but the Huskers, not so much. Are we there? I think yep. she's there. Oh, there she's there. How are you? Hi. I'm good. Good. So what would you make of what happened today? Obviously, Texas was just the better team, the much more experienced team, four seniors. Uh, they were loaded with talent, but I, I guess none of us expected that to happen today. Well, I actually watched every second of the Texas-Wisconsin um, game, and I watched Wisconsin get served off the court, and I had predicted that we either did something different than Wisconsin and was able to pass, or we got served off the court also. Like, it was going to be an either-or situation. So it, I kind of expected this to happen. I was hoping it didn't happen, but to see Wisconsin look like seventh graders out there um, – made me think that this was going to be a rough one. Hey, Tanya, one of the things we were sitting at a, at a local establishment kind of watching the game a little bit and, and the frustration, they're like, come on, why does Nebraska suck so bad? And we are like, guys, <laughs> you got to understand Texas is insanely talented. And they, <laughs> I didn't use the term served them off the court, but I, it was close. But how do you deal with the way Texas is playing right now? Was there anything Nebraska could have done? I mean, I think the only thing that um, could have been different would have been that we just we, – we, we adjusted. Like, Wisconsin couldn't adjust to their serves. We didn't adjust to their serves. Like, we – I don't know what it is. Like, you know, take a step up and use your hands or um, just – I don't know. Just do something a little bit different. Maybe something that we haven't done all season and just try to pass differently, to look differently, to think differently – um, just something to flip a switch and say we are going to pass better, and we just we could not recover mentally. And so I don't know, Wisconsin couldn't do it either. So props to Texas for making us look like we shouldn't be in the championship game, and props to them for making Wisconsin look like they shouldn't have been in the Final Four. Well, Maddie Skinner was spectacular today. 16 kills. She hit 273. The Longhorns hit 264 overall, held Nebraska to a .013 clip. Uh, Harper Murray led Nebraska to, with seven kills and five digs, uh, but they just could not. Uh, the, the the percentages were ridiculous. Uh, Harper Murray was the best of all Huskers, and she hit 130 today. Uh, but you had, I guess you had Becca Alec hit at 286, but she's a middle blocker. You had Merritt Beeson really struggling, really throughout the Final Four. Uh, minus 59, minus 230. 14 for Allie Batenhorst. 
was it their block aside from this? What what else did they do well? We know that they served Wisconsin off the court and they did the same against Nebraska. Was that just the main thing? Well, I mean, I think you look at how many times our setter was able to set with our hands. You know, we, we were bump setting high balls to the outside into a double block. You're going to hit really bad against that. Um, our setter was running, sprinting, bump setting. There were times that our setter didn't even um, set, like didn't even touch the ball. It was Lexi or it was Becca Alec or someone else had to set the ball because the pass was so bad. So when you're getting serves like that, and passes like that, you're not able to get any kind of swing. Tanya Taki joining us on the Allo VIP line uh, on 93.7 The Ticket Husker Rewind. Uh, Tanya, I want to ask you about Becca Alex specifically. Um, her <laughs> her interviews are just priceless. Um, I know. The, the, the heart on her sleeve, the emotions that she plays with, and the determination. Tonight was one of those nights that... Because I'll be honest, I'm a Waverly grad as well, so obviously a little bit more, you know, juice and whatever for, from from my standpoint. Wanting to see a fellow Viking do awesome, but today it really seemed like she stepped into a role. She was the only one that I felt like literally was staring Texas down, and it, not that anybody else. I don't want to say anybody played horrible. I don't think they did. I think Texas just flat out played fantastic. But at the end of the day, to me, Becca Alec was the one that was like, yeah, yeah, bring it, and it like right. she just. Every single point she was out and noticed the long runs that they wound up, Asia, Asia O'Neill serving the long uh, runs, especially in the second, Becca's not on the floor. She can't play six rotations. Or can she? You ever I seen mean, the middle do the it? Thing, the reason why Becca was, you know, maybe able to do that was because she also wasn't serve-receive passing. You know, I Very think true. everybody who had to face a serve-receive pass got ace, got shanked, got all those things. Like, it just takes, like, the wind out of you. And so Becca doesn't have to have that role. And so she was just like, you know, she was able to take on a different like persona out there. But I just feel like our passers just got wilted. Um, our passers got subbed out. Um, our passers could not function. And so when that happens, it just deflates all of your confidence, all of your energy, all of those swagger. Tanya Taki, of course, former Nebraska middle blocker, one of the great ones of all time and coach of Nebraska one. Uh, Texas has now won two national titles in a row. They have four seniors, an extremely experienced team. Wisconsin won it two years ago with older players. Nebraska, we know, maybe the youngest team in the entire country with four freshmen. They're going to get older, obviously, as they go along. They're going to get more experienced. But do you take a look at maybe adding another Merritt Beeson to add a little more experience, or do you just hold uh, get a little more experience, or do you just hold pat with what they're doing? I mean, we're going to hope for Lindsey Krause to get to be 100% and coming back stronger than ever. Um, not having her as an option tonight definitely hurt our team to not be able to, like, reload in that position and, you know, show a different passer, show a different swing, show a different look. Um, Cubic is not the answer right now, and so that's who we chose to put in when Allie couldn't make things happen just to give them a different look, and she's just not at the level of Krause. So, I mean... It's an interesting year. I don't. I, this is the last year that we can have super seniors. So this coming season, like I believe Skinner gets to have another year. Um, Sarah Franklin gets to have another year, and then after that, it's over. There's no players out there getting five years anymore. So um, I think if we hold tight to the girls that we have, you know, build and grow from it. Um, we need Jordan Larson serving at us at practice and uh, just raise our level. From the uh, the. the t- 
players that we have coming in, I'm going to I'm going to include Caroline Jurevicius just because she redshirted this year. She didn't see the court, so she's going to be new coming into the rotation. What does she bring? What does Skylar Pierce bring? Because essentially, I think those are the only two that are going to compete for more playing time uh, next season. Or am I missing somebody? No, I think that sounds about right. We lost a middle to Texas in the in the recruiting, like the week before um, recruiting came in, mostly because we have two middles that are just playing ridiculously <laughs> well. And so how do you come in and be behind that? Um, with especially young middles, if you're a brand new middle coming in, it's going to be two years or three years before you get to play. Um, so I think right now we have Skylar Pierce, and yes, like you said, Caroline Jurevicius, if she stays, um, kind of word on the street is that she's looking to transfer. But then an article came out saying that she's in at, at Nebraska for the long haul. So you just don't know where all the players are mentally. We don't know what happens after this weekend. Um, there's a big transfer announcement out of Minnesota with uh, Landsphere deciding to transfer. Like, that's huge. Um, so we're just, you know, we have one more year of this big transfers and fifth-year seniors, and so we'll see if any of that affects us. But I think it is mostly going to affect our competition. Like, Penn State is going to pick that girl up. And Well, and Tom actually mentioned Lanfear earlier, and I said I don't know how she fits at Nebraska because the outside hitter position is absolutely loaded. Where do you think she winds up? I mean, it just feels like Penn State is the – is kind of that in that role right now. They need those transfers to come in with a new coach. Um, and I, they did a really good job of that this year, and I think they're on and up doing that. So, I mean, Wisconsin takes in transfers. Texas takes in transfers. Like, I don't feel like Texas has any loyalty to any player. If you're better, you're on the court. So if she goes to Texas, somebody's not playing. Talking with Tanya Taki, one of the great middle blockers of all time for Nebraska volleyball, played for both Terry Pettit and John Cook and is the head coach of Nebraska One. Seems like every time Nebraska steps onto the floor, they set a record. That started at the beginning of the year with 93,000 stuffed into Memorial Stadium. But Nebraska, Texas set another record today, the women's indoor attendance record, 19,727, the previous record was set in the Final Four in basketball. What was the crowd like for you today? I mean, it was very Husker heavy. Um, it felt like it was, you know, 300 Husker fans to every one Texas fan. Um, the red carpet, or they called it the blue carpet, that the NCAA rolled out for each of the teams, like the Texas fans or the Texas team and band had to walk through the Husker crowd, and we gave them a little golf clap, and there were a couple of horns down, and maybe from yours truly, but... Um, <laughs> I would expect I mean, nothing the, less. Come the on. The crowd was awesome. It was just, it like, I walked, I had got, I needed to run to my car for something, and I came back to my spot, and on my way back, you could just see the sea of red, because it was on kind of a ramp, and it was like a tear rolled down my face, because I was just so proud of Husker Nation showing up in Tampa. I mean, it honestly felt like the Quest Center. Wow. In Omaha. I know it's not the Quest anymore, CHI. I call it the Quest. I don't know why. It's just stuck in my brain as a Quest. But the Omaha Final Four is what it felt like. Completely agree. I, I, we were watching video uh, from, from some of our favorite sportscasters and, and people that are covering the team down in Tampa. And I, just watching it, it and thinking right now, I have chills. Like it, The fan support is just insane. Um, and that that's the one thing, too. I mean, I know Husker Nation is extremely disappointed with the way things turned out today but at the end of the day uh they've got one of the younger teams in the ncaa they went to the national title game and they're going to come back a little pissed off next year i think and a little chip on their shoulder and i think next year is going to be a lot of fun how about you yeah i mean it's good for them i mean i a couple of the people were texting me like i feel sorry for this team i'm like i absolutely don't feel sorry for this team Mm. 
Like, if you want to pl- swing with the big dogs, you have to pass the ball. So if you can't pass the ball, you lose. And we lost bad because we couldn't pass. Like, this is the opportunity given. You didn't take it. Okay, this is where you're at. Like, this is where they earned. They earned second in the country after being four freshmen, five new players. Nobody expected this. I'm super proud of our team. So, no, I don't feel sorry for them. It sucks. But it had to be on a national stage like this to, to just kind of fold under pressure of the serve. But I don't feel sorry for them. I'm proud of them, and they'll come back. Where does Texas rank among the best serving teams you've ever seen? I mean, I don't, I don't know where they. It's just like they kind of like came out of nowhere. Um, this just la- like this last six or eight games, they just decided that they had a shot at this, and they just put something extra, like a little more, a little more like English on that serve. I mean, I was watching it from the end line, and it didn't seem to move or drop. It just was fast. Is all I can explain it. My dad was like, "What is? What's so different about their serves?" Like, it just seems like it's it's a faster – it's like when you play, again, like tennis. It's like a girl – you know, girls' tennis has a certain tennis, like a speed, and then you play against a guy, and his speed is just faster. It's just that's, – that's what it felt like. Hmm. Well, because one of the things I know, one of the more difficult serves to hit, uh, you can put top spin, side spin, whatever you want on it, but when there's no spin, those knuckle serves, especially when they've got some velocity to them, are insanely difficult to return. They weren't doing that a lot. Yeah, it was definitely a knuckleball serve. And, I mean, I felt fortunate for our team that Pittsburgh's big server missed seven or eight servers. If she would have gotten seven or eight aces, that's a different game. If you're John Cook, what do you work on in the off season? What's the number one <laughs> thing that you work on? Um, I honestly feel like we have to have one more person step up and be as good a passer as Lexi. Like, we need a second Lexi. Somebody, it's either got to be Laney or it's got to be – Ellie Batenhorst or it's got to be, you know, Skylar Pierce and or Harper. Like, even Harper wasn't passing well. Like, so we can't just have Lexi. It has to be another player who can pass at Lexi's, like, range of motion. Well, well we know you have to catch a flight, Tanya. It's been a fun year. Wow, we made it to the Absolutely. national. We made it to the national title game, and it was spectacular with four freshmen starting. So I had a lot of fun this year. They just ran into a buzzsaw today. I mean, that's a really yes. good. That's a really good Texas team. But you know, Nebraska will be back, and I expect them to be in the championship. Uh, where, where is the final four next? So year? the next two, they have the next two years announced. It goes to Louisville in twenty twenty four and Kansas City in twenty twenty five. How fun would it be, John Cook versus Danny Busboom? In the championship that'd be, game. That'd be great. We'd it, take that. I mean, not so great if it's in Louisville, though. No, I guess it wouldn't. I guess it wouldn't. But it'd be fun to win there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it would. I mean, I hope our Husker fans get their tickets early to Louisville because Louisville fans are going to suck those tickets up fast. Wouldn't that be hilarious if it's in Louisville and Nebraska fans outnumber them, you know, seven to one? Something I don't, like I don't yeah, I, let's do I, that. I was going to say, it'd be, that'd be an accomplishment. I know that. I, Tanya, also, we I got to re- remind Tom and I, we owe you sushi. So, all no. right, let's do it. All right. Uh, no, you got to catch a flight. Uh, we'll see you soon. Okay, thanks. All right. Okay, go Big Red. Tanya, go right, Big bye. Red. Uh, Tanya, it reminds me of, and I went in 2001 when Nebraska took on Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, Husker fans were stuffed into South Bend, <laughs> in, in that little tiny town of South Bend. They were everywhere, but also in the stadium. And they outnumbered Notre Dame fans easily. There, I, I bet it was 70% Nebraska fans. Yeah. Because they, they would just buy up every ticket that they could. Yeah. Um, and that's what Husker volleyball fans are. It well, doesn't and, matter. And, and I'll be honest with you. I thought Tanya had a fantastic point last week when she made the, the comment about she felt Nebraska fans would take over Tampa 
because with the, the the trouble on the football field and the lack of bowl games, this is literally Nebraska fans' bowl game. Now, whether they get in the building or not, I mean, you're going to go to Tampa for four or five days, get some you know sun, have some fun, uh, sit on the beach, and hopefully watch uh, Nebraska you know bring home a natty. But at the same time, it didn't turn out that way. But I, I think that's why the fan support was as big as it was down there. Yeah. A little bit of help from the football team not being very good. Yeah. So. Well, that was a fun season. Nebraska falls in three sets to Texas, but they were the better team. You got to hand it to them. They, yeah. they played great, and they're just really, really talented players. But Nebraska, they're going to be around for a while. They're well, the youngest team, I think, in college volleyball. Well, so. And it's only their sixth Final Four in the last nine years. Yeah. So, yeah, I think so that's, that's, that, that trend of the Final Fours is going to continue. We're going to switch to hoops. Nebraska with another big win today. You heard the uh, post game with Strick and Austin. We'll kind of continue that post-game feel. We've got BC, Brian Christofferson of Husker 24-7 to talk about Nebraska's big win over Kansas State today. We'll do that next. This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to Husker Rewind here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. My name is Mike Melby, sitting in the driver's seat tonight, Mr. Tom Stevens. Hello. Nebraska volleyball falls in three sets to Texas. Very disappointing. Nebraska basketball, though, was down in Manhattan, Kansas, and it was the game K-State was favored by five and a half. And I had kind of a bad feeling. It just it was one of those. K-State was 21-1 and in their last two years at home. Uh, they were not a team that I thought was going to, you know, just be as awful as they were in they the were second bad. half. They got outscored by Nebraska. 31, Nebraska played good defense. 31-12 in the second half. And the reason they that K-State played that bad was because of Nebraska. And uh, a, a gentleman that I know just put out a tweet about uh, that game. Uh, is going to join us on the Aloe VIP line, brought to you by Aloe Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart from Husker 24-7, Brian Christofferson. Brian, uh, that was a whale of a game by Fred's boys, I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, hopefully you can hear me. I'm at mid-court here at Bramlage Coliseum. But <laughs> nice! Uh, awesome! Actually, basically on the floor. Um, yeah, it, it just they, they, took, uh, they took the wind out of Kansas State in the second half. Jawan, Gary, and and rink mass just owned the glass. I mean, it was uh, tied 23-23 in rebounds at halftime. It ended up 57-40 to Nebraska. So uh, that tells you something right there. Gary with 18 boards. Mass had 19 points, 11 rebounds. Nebraska actually didn't even play that great offensively. Shot about 35%, turned it over 14 times. Didn't score the last four and a half minutes and won by sixteen. It was uh, it was a clampdown on defense, yeah. and they uh, they they took away K State's will a bit on the glass. It was impressive to see. Brian Christofferson, Husker twenty four seven, our guest. If you would have told me that K State Tominaga scores nine points, Nebraska shoots thirty five percent, I would have said that they would have gotten run out of the gym in Manhattan. But they win sixty two forty six. And then you look at the stats. You mentioned the rebounds. Jawan Gary, I think, averaging four rebounds a game, he gets 18. He was an absolute beast. Do you think that was a point of emphasis today, the rebounding? Yeah, well, I, I think this this group really took personal the, the, the game at Minnesota in particular. You know, that second half where um, they were just giving up easy stuff on the glass and, and, and got punked, frankly, and that's how Fred Hoiberg framed it. And so um, I think it was pretty important to them 
to flip the script and they've really focused on that. And let's be honest, guys. I mean, after the Minnesota game, I think a lot of us sort of, it's early, but you're like, is this season on the brink already? You know, you kind of wondered what they're made of. And the last seven days, they've done a big uh, job in turning it around to, to beat Michigan State, which I know everybody right after that game's like, oh, Michigan State's not vintage Michigan State. Well, I don't know. Uh, that Izzo has a way of getting that team going, and they won by 24 against number six Baylor yesterday. And then um, Nebraska comes and gets this one on the road. This was big for the resume. It's not like I don't know that K State's what they were last year, but it's uh, it's one of those games where it gives you a nice non-conference win. It gives you the chance to go 10 and one in the non-con season and be um, if they can win these last two games of the month, be uh, 13 and two heading into the heart of the Big Ten. So that's that's all good stuff. Well, and when you look at it, BC joining us here on the uh, Allo Fiber VIP line, when you look at the big picture, BC, to me, the Michigan State game, I truly feel is going to wind up a quad one win at the end of the season. And this win, I mean, this is the thing. You're talking about beating a a Power 5 team that, you know, I think K-State's going to wind up probably being an NIT team this year, so maybe this is a quad two win, but you won by 16. Like, that's going to go into all of these weird... uh, analytics and stuff and all the stuff that they utilize to try to figure out who's going to go dancing, who's going to go to the NIT. This is not going to hurt them, especially winning by 16 on the road. Does it surprise you at all that Fred Hoiberg is as aware of winning big, et cetera, because he's alluded to it in the past uh, earlier this season? No, I think he, he knows all that stuff matters. And I think he's like some of us who think some of it's stupid, how they do the analytics on that stuff. But he, He's made mention of it last year, you know, when Nebraska was trying to get in the NIT about how, you know, the, the, the spread on a game and what it ends up ends up affecting some of the numbers sometimes. So all that all that matters. You're right, Tom, and, or uh, Mike, I'm sorry. And it, it's it, it, this is just a good win because it keeps the momentum going. And, yeah, we don't know what K-State season is going to be like, but you got you got to stack these ones that could be meaningful in March, you don't know what they're going to be worth, but you, you put them in your pocket and you hope they're, they're worth something significant at the end. I'm like you, Mike. I kind of think Michigan State's going to get it going and be one of the better teams in the league, and Nebraska might have got them at the right time and all that, but so what? They got them, and um, that was a big win, and I think it will be a big win. We'll see what this one is worth, but, yeah. um, you know, if you lose it and it's it, – it dings you a little bit uh, in the resume. So that that's as much of it, too. You don't want to get dinged. And um, it's just good for this team, too, I think, to, you know, there was, some, there was a good amount of Nebraska fans here. I was a little surprised. I know we're close to the border, but um, they took over the arena at times in the second half a little bit, and it was kind of a different feeling for Oscar basketball to be on, a, on the road in a place like this to hear the Husker fans making noise. And it's, it's got to be a real lift for this team to leave with that uh, experience and, and having kind of uh, really been man against boys in the yeah. second half against a program that was in the Elite Eight a year ago. We're going to shift to football talk here in a moment. But, uh, I mean, we Nebraska starts 7-0. and It's the best start in 30-plus years. And then we thought, well, just go 2-2. Two and two. They start out with that big loss to Creighton, then they follow it up with it. You know, they up 17, and then they end up losing to Minnesota. And then they win the next two. They beat Michigan State, who's obviously finding themselves with that big win, as you mentioned, over Baylor. And then they get the win today over Kansas State. You mentioned 13 and 2, but it's not just that easy. If they, if, even if they go 13 and 2, 
The Big Ten's a little down this year. What does Nebraska, in your in your opinion, need to do this year to get to the dance? Um, well, that's a good question. I mean, it, we'll have we'll have to see how it plays out. But it, it what helps is, you know, when Purdue beats Arizona, um, you want to see the Big Ten do well in some of these other games. Like I think Indiana's going to be pretty tough. They went toe to toe with Kansas uh, yesterday, lost and and blew a halftime lead, but play we're right there. Um, you know, but I, I understand what you're saying. I, I think there's some teams that have been in the middle of the league that are maybe a little down. Like you don't know quite what Iowa is made of. You don't know that Rutgers, who's sort of become that blue collar team that has really become a difficult squad to beat. I'm not saying that's going to be easy, but they're, they're not quite what they have been. I don't think. And so I do think there are some openings there. If, if they can get after it defensively, like they did today and attack the glass with that type of passion and all that, um, you're going to have a chance every night, um, even if you shoot 35% as proven in this game. So that'll that'll give them a, a crack at it. And if nothing else, I know the fan base is, I understand, I didn't see the match. They're bummed about what happened with volleyball. Um, but, uh, you know, it, 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 people are going to turn their gaze to basketball here now. And um, they this win is going to, help some boost some people to like want to go watch it see what see what they can do and that's that's a good thing brian christopherson joining us on the aloe vip line uh bc where does nebraska go from the standpoint of this holiday break is is this a time for some guys that maybe haven't been in the lineup to to be able to possibly work their way in i'm thinking more along the lines of eli rice than anybody because uh, he's come in in the last couple of games and just given some fantastic uh, minutes, hit some big shots. And, and, you know, the thing is, too, the three that he hit today was when Nebraska needed a three. They needed a big bucket. And and a true freshman's the guy that steps up and goes, yeah, just give me the damn ball. I'm going to go do it. And he does. Um, is is there anybody else that you think might be able to crack this rotation or possibly get back into it, i.e. Boogie Coleman? Um, m- maybe. Um, I, I, I think Boogie's got a chance to – Boogie, to me – strikes me as one of those guys who I, I don't know if he's going to be out there like, you know, for 16 of the final 18 games, but I have a feeling there's going to be like two or three games where his experience and um, sort of his calm hand at the point guard spot could become useful, but it does sort of feel like they're settling into the rotation of like, who's really going to be there and who's not. Jamarcus uh, played about 24 minutes today. Part of the reason he didn't play quite as much was uh he got hobbled i think he was cramping up and so the second half they were doing work on him over here on the sideline a lot of it and sam hoiberg kind of was the guy they called on because he was playing such good defense sam had one of his you know games that he had last year where he's just a pest and i think he really annoyed k-state played about 26 minutes um i think you're right on eli rice he's the guy of anybody i'd watch if if maybe he can get into that like eight to ten minute range you know the thing i really love about him he's done this in two consecutive games it's how hard is it to come in cold you barely play and then 25 minutes in you hit a big three that kind of pushes it up to a seven point lead he did that today um three points in the box score they're not all created equally that's like the type of shot that gives you a little distance um boosts his confidence helps your team i mean that this was a good he's had a good week for him i think just making those shots and it's it's 
building belief in what he can do. Absolutely agree. One other guy I want to ask you about and see what you know is Ramel Lloyd Jr. Is he healthy? Is he not? There's all kinds of rumblings about, you know, what I, what, do we know anything about Ramel Lloyd? I don't know enough to speak on it on the air, honestly. Like, I hey, hear the enough. same stuff everybody does. I, I mean, it, I don't know. Um, it's just a situation where at this point we haven't seen him. And I, I, I really do think we've sort of seen, like, who the 8 to 10 guys are. You know, it's, it, this is sort of the group. Um, I think we've saw today that Gary's probably, I don't know, Gary's probably a starter, I think, going forward. And, and Josiah's got to come in and give him some key minutes. But maybe he's, he's more that sixth, seventh guy. They're going to need Sam Hoiberg to just be good defensively and do that that little niche stuff that that helps you win games. And uh, I think you're right on Boogie. I think he could pop in at some point. But Eli Rice is the guy who, if you're talking about somebody who could come out of nowhere um, and help as like the eighth or ninth guy, he'd be that. Big win for Nebraska basketball today. They improved to nine and two, sixty-two forty-six. They outscore Kansas State thirty-one to twelve in the second half. Obviously, we got to talk about the news of the weekend, maybe bigger than anything. Uh, Dominic Rayola. Is it Rayola or Rayola? Because I hear it both ways. Rayola, Rayola. How do you pronounce it? I've always thought Rayola. You're getting the full experience okay. here. It's, okay, it's it's awesome. We cry. Love the uh, cat yeah. noise. I've heard both yeah. ways. But, uh, okay, Dom, uh, Dylan Rayola, many people think he's already committed. Uh, do you think he's already committed? Um, I, I like... I, I really like where Nebraska's at. Um, you know, I, I, I'm until it's over. I'm, I'm just going to not uh, get my trumpet out and play it. You know, I, Fair did, I really like, I, I don't know if it's the Kyle McCord thing that wounded me. I mean, I have him down. Uh, we do the crystal balls thing, which everybody took for a ride. Cause we are guys, we thought McCord was going to be in. And I really did until the Riola thing shook things up. Um, but I have a 7 out of 10 on the confidence meter for Ryla, and that's where I've been, and I'm not going to change it at this point. Um, he's in town. That told me a lot. I know there's talk like well, Georgia's still trying to swing it late their way, and um, you, you're always a little on edge until it's, it's all said and done with that high profile of a recruit. And also, let's be real, it's been one that's kind of twist and turned, and um, you I'm sure there's negotiations that have gone on. Um, as of yesterday, I felt really, really good about Nebraska, and today I feel really good about Nebraska, but you might have noticed I took one really off of there. That's how I feel at this moment <laughs> I'm talking to you. Fair enough. <laughs> and and, and it, that was the other thing, too, because there was speculation. Somebody, uh, a local media member, kind of went out yesterday and, and was like, yep, it's done, he's going to commit today, and you know, a little egg on his face, but... Uh, that that's why you try to make sure you have facts before you start talking, uh, which is uh, exactly what you just did. <laughs> I have no facts. I'm not going to start talking. So greatly appreciated. Well, you know, it, it's a tough one. Everybody wants to kind of nail down, um, you know, it's done and say it's over. Um, I just think we've never seen a recruitment quite like this one. I don't know that we've covered one quite like it. Uh, the fact that he's he, that he was in Lincoln, um, you know, four to five days before signing day, and the fact that a guy like Steve Wiltfong, um, you know, flips his crystal ball. Wiltfong's like when Wiltfong's moving the crystal ball around. Um, that's not guesswork. That's like where it stands at the moment. Sometimes I think people like so people should 
look at that and be like, okay, that's that's good that he's in Nebraska's camp. Now, if you see that suddenly flip tonight or tomorrow or something, well, there you go. But yeah. um, what what I know is that he was in Lincoln. I feel good about that. I think um, you know with with McCord out of the picture, it, it sure seems like it all lines up. Um, let's just it, it comes down to one guy now, right? Yeah. Like we can all sit here and say like I think it's eighty five, I think it's seventy five, I think it's fifty five. He's he's got to put the announcement out, and yeah. if, if until he does that or when he does that, uh, you, you you kind of wait and say, I, I want the period at the end of that sentence, and then I'll then then we can talk about what the spring quarterback race is going to look like. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been a nutty week, uh, BC. It started with uh, Kyle McCord visiting Lincoln, and then we remember Monday night, we're about five o'clock. We hear the rumors that Dylan Riola may very well switch his commitment to Nebraska, and then he's going to take a visit to Nebraska. I don't think Kyle McCord was certainly aware of that, and then he's like having second thoughts and ends up now, as you mentioned, he's now at Syracuse. But there were many in the recruiting field, and I don't know if you're one of them, who thought Nebraska needed a bridge quarterback. They need that senior guy like a Kyle McCord to give Riola one year to at least you know get his feet wet, maybe help the recruiting class down the line. Are you one of those that felt like Nebraska had to have a bridge quarterback, or are you okay with potentially Riola starting year one? Um, I would have felt a lot better if they had a bridge quarterback myself, yes. Um, I re- I re- it's not like a freshman can't come in and tear it up. And first off, he would have to come in and win the job over whoever's still here. And there might be a, a few sort of veterans competing against them. We'll see like what Chubba Purdy does. And uh, if Nebraska even adds one more guy, you know, who's a veteran hand, it's always possible. Um, but I, I loved how Kyle McCord seemingly could have fit for Nebraska for one year. And I'm not going to change my opinion on that just because it went the other way. That's, that's how I felt then. That's how I feel now. Um, I do think, you know, the McCords didn't come to Lincoln on Monday, Tuesday, um, if they weren't really thinking like this could very much happen. And so I know everybody's like, oh, well, we're, everybody got it wrong. Well, we had one of the most unique things we've seen happen in Husker recruiting occur on the, at the very hour uh, this transfer quarterback is in town. It's, it's a unique experience, unlike everything we've seen. And, um, you know, that's going to upset the apple cart maybe, and it changed the dynamic, and and so we have what we have. So, no, I mean, with that, then it becomes imperative to lock up Ryola and put a good vibe on things, and there will be, and there should be if that happens because, you know, that's the number two ranked player in the class. He's the highest guy um, Nebraska's ever signed, and he's a legacy. And, I mean, we've watched it, his recruitment for two and a half years. That should, like, uh, people should, you know, be doing sprints down the street and joy if that happens but for the 24 season yeah i'd love a guy who played 12 to 13 games at ohio state admittedly uh last year and has been through it and has dealt with what it's like at this level because it's not a video game it's hard as you guys know to just jump into this level of play in this conference with all the expectations and weight that's at that position and do it well and so I, I did like the idea of an older guy. But uh, that's gone, and let's see let's see if uh, there's some exciting news around the corner. Exactly. One quick thing on Kyle McCord, too, and, and this was something that I guess was brought up, and I don't know if this was specifically said by his father. It was alluded to that somebody that had been in communication with him, it is that you know from Kyle's standpoint, 
uh, Kyle McCord, if he comes to Nebraska and Dylan Raiola does commit to Nebraska and winds up, you know, being the backup, the first time he throws an interception, half the stadium is going to be calling for Dylan Raiola. And, and you know, why would you want to play in that, you know, arena? <laughs> and why would you want to be the guy that everyone wants to fail so that the, you know, the, the hotshot freshman can come in? And I thought it was kind of an interesting perspective, whether or not that was actually said or alluded to by the McCord family, to me, it kind of makes a little bit of sense. It would be pretty difficult to step into that role. Yeah, I don't know if they said that or not, but it's probably accurate because we 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 know from experience, not just here but everywhere, everybody loves the backup. Uh, they especially love a backup that's uh, highly regarded. I remember when Harrison Beck popped in at the <laughs> end of a Kansas State game one year and they burned his red shirt and they uh, got a field goal out of it and that didn't work out so well over the long run, but people were pretty excited when he came in the game. And so there would be the same sort of fervor, um, except it would be heightened times a hundred, I think with, with Ryla. Um, and obviously, uh, there's a game, you know, if you look at Nebraska's schedule, second week, Colorado, uh, that's the type of game where very early on, if there's a pick in the second quarter, <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> that, it, that it, it sort of has the formula for what you're talking about. But um. I don't know if that was what it was for them. Um, it seems like maybe they wanted him to be the guy and no, no questions asked. And if that's the case, that's a little disappointing to me too, but, um, yeah, like they're, they're gone. And, uh, with that, um, you just want to make sure you get somebody out of it that, that pumps everybody up. And then Ryle is the man now. And I, I do want to say quickly, uh, Daniel Kalen, it seems like is going to still sign. And yeah. I just, I gave a lot of credit to that, that guy, you know, he's, it's been a tough recruitment if you think about where the situation he's been in. And um, I, I appreciate just how he's handled himself. And I know there's a lot of guys in the recruiting class, his peers, that really respect him. Yeah, he kept this class together. I mean, he was committed to Missouri. He decommitted, committed to Nebraska when the Riola thing happened. Uh, and he did a, a yeoman's job uh, getting this class together. Uh, and then he's, uh, you hear the talk that he might uh, take a visit to Michigan State. Uh, m- credit Matt Rule for jumping in, and, and he gets him to com- back committed to Nebraska. And obviously, Michigan State's got some stuff going on with a new coach, and they bring in a, a quarterback from Oregon State. But, yeah, I, I think it's cre- it's good to credit Daniel Kalen and the job he did. And, Absolutely. And, and keeping his commitment to Nebraska was pretty cool. Well, we'll find out um, probably by Wednesday uh, if he's signing <laughs> or not, I'm hoping, because that's signing day. I was hoping to find out by the time you were on, but it's been a good day. Nebraska basketball gets a win. Tough day for volleyball, but we knew that could happen, and then we'll wait, I guess, um, at least another day to find out the news on Dylan Riola. Yeah, and I do think I think they're going to get a couple of these kids that are here this weekend. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Dylan Williams. Um, you, I think people are reading the tea leaves probably correctly. You know, you have a couple kids from the Florida area um that were here that I I think could could pop Nebraska's way that you have the DB um trying to think of his name Bly Hill I, I think mm-hmm. he could be in the class and then uh Vincent Shavers a linebacker who was committed to Miami until Friday is also here and I would watch that one closely too so there there could be a little bit more noise besides just the rival thing and uh we'll see if they can finish out strong but as you guys know this is the happiness or sadness is all riding on one guy putting yes, out a, a dramatic video with smoke or whatever. And oh. <laughs> if that happens, everyone's happy. If it doesn't happen, uh, whatever is added is going to be lost beneath that. Oh. 
Well, there have been a couple of booms posted on Twitter. Who knows what they well, mean? Well, yeah, and, but- and, and, and at BC, have you seen Willis McGahee's uh, Willis McGahee the Force uh, tweet from earlier today when it it was a, a gif of somebody saying that's my quarterback? Oh, the old Terrell Owens gif. Yeah, the old uh, Terrell Owens. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Um, there's there's a lot of smoke, that. but or what, was he talking about Nebraska's class, or does he have like an NFL team and his yeah. quarterback is performing really well? <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> it's a total coincidence. Yeah, we'll see. Thanks for hanging with us so long. I know you could be doing other things, and uh, great uh, win for Nebraska basketball today. We appreciate the time, BC. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks. Hey, see you drive go. home. Uh, sure. Brian Christopherson, Husker. 24-7. Great stuff. We kept him way over time, but there were a lot of things to talk about oh, in recruiting really and Husker basketball with a great day. Let's get to break. Come back with more. It's Husker Rewind. Mike Melby, Tom Stevens. More on the way. This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to Husker Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and the Ticket FM.com. Hang on. Is your seat okay? I got to fix the chair. I'm better now. No. Uh, I want to jump into the Sarder Heyman text line. First of all, thanks to everybody that is watching on the Sarder Heyman live stream live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, plus nine, channel 951 on Allo. Uh, tons of comments on the Sarder Heyman text line. Sorry I haven't gotten to you guys, Kevin and Jeff and Walter and Brian and Brian and Dion. I'm going to run through some of these now. As you guys know, and you've been listening, we've had kind of a busy first 50 minutes with Tanya Taki and Brian Christofferson on the Allo VIP line. But Walter, your comment about Ole Miss killing it with players from the portal. Um, a couple of, of comments later, I know Dion jumped in and said, hey, we're way over the 85 scholarship, scholarship limit. There's not a whole lot we can do. And that kind of is the thing. Plus, Matt Rule making the comment, man, I want like 85, 90% high school guys. I'm building this the right way. Uh, I think it's the right way to and, go and too. That's, that's what he believes in. If it's not what you believe in, I, it's his job. So, you well, know, whatever, but I get your point that there's a ton of teams killing it. Colorado's could, already up to 15 transfers. And you could do it that way. Michigan state had a 11 and two season with Mel Tucker going heavily into the transfer yeah. portal. I don't know, 30 plus guys, whatever it was. But then it didn't last. It yeah, fell it, apart, and it, no, he's no longer the coach. <laughs> exactly. That's what I, mean, I think you can do it, but I don't think you can build. I don't think you can build a team that way over the long haul. Uh, no, heavy no. into the transfer. Well, and, and Dion thinks you can, and I think it's going to fail miserably, and and enjoy watching uh, watching it fail with him. Uh, Dion, uh, I'm not going to go into the exact stuff that you covered there, Dion, but I hope what you talked about with what uh, your son saw on Saturday morning. I hope that is very a very good omen. Uh, and uh, let's see, Walter says uh, off the Sarder Heyman text line that they need to add a running back ASAP. Walter, I think you are a hundred degree, hundred percent spot on on that one. Uh, as does Dion. And then uh, Dion tweets to us at midnight last night. Rules out tweeting, uh, and and he Dion seems to have some inside information that that I don't think he uh, is is I don't think he's thinking things are going to turn out poorly. Yeah, from what he's been uh, sending into the Sarder Heyman text line. And then there's lots of cheers going on with some glasses. And let's see here. I've heard the theory that Dylan Riola doesn't want to make his announcement today because he didn't want to, you know, go head to head with volleyball. But you know, Nebraska didn't win uh, yeah. today. And I can understand had Nebraska won the national title, maybe you don't make your announcement today. But now would be a good time. Now <laughs> yeah, would before, be a good time, Dylan, if you're going to make se- your yeah, announcement. Before 7 o'clock. Come on, bring it. Greg, uh, listening from Kimaw, Texas. Uh, 
thanks for listening and thank you for a horns down comment of I hate Texas. So that's oh, Greg I, off the Sarder Hammond text. Line. On that. Um let's go ahead and one thing I want to I want to throw out here, Tom. I know you just got a text a while ago. We're gonna effort we didn't really have much planned for the next hour based on you know, not knowing how things were going to play yeah, out in Manhattan. Jay Foreman's in, by the okay, way. Okay, there we go. Yeah. That's who we were efforting uh, because he's he's an unbelievable uh, human being. He's unbelievable on the air. And by the way, he knows the ins and outs of Nebraska football and the game of football in general as good as anybody. And uh, we, we love having him on every chance we get. We're going to have him on next hour to talk about Nebraska football. I know he's going to want to touch on volleyball. He's a Nebraska athletics fan. We're probably going to talk a touch of basketball with him as well. Uh, but we'll see what Jay knows yeah. and his thoughts about Nebraska football, about uh, recruiting and who could be in uh, before everything is said and done on Wednesday. We'll do that on the other side of this break. Back with more after this on 93.7 The Ticket.